from the twisted realm of science and the darkest pits of reason comes chilling tales of godlessness. Bear witness to the unfathomable terror that is... The Good Atheist. Cursed are the poor. While religion is on a slow decline across the world, there is a brand of Christianity that is flourishing as people's economic prospects begin to dwindle. Prosperity Gospels. Their philosophy is simple. Wealth is a direct result of seeding the church, which is just a fancy way of saying that the more money you give to religious charlatans, the more God will bless you. Most of you are already familiar with the big names in the biz. Creflo Dollar and Joel Osteen come to mind. However, this ignores the hundreds of other small hustlers like Jason Matera, who demand that their already financially stricken flock give them thousands of dollars with a vague promise that they will see these amounts return tenfold. It's an easy pitch for those desperate for a miracle. Not content with just ripping off his fellow man, now some have taken to venting about how the evil of poverty is a direct result of those lazy bums that refuse to do an honest day's work and a lack of faith in God. You see, in their world view, people who need help have failed to help themselves, and the whole notion of Christian charity is really a fundamental misunderstanding of biblical teachings. Of course, Christians are supposed to be the tip of the spear alleviating poverty, especially when it comes to believers. That doesn't mean, however, that we are under any obligation to help indolent bums. Such people are not entitled to our generosity. The irony in all of this is that a majority of adherents to prosperity gospel tend to be people of lower means. In a sense, these poor wretches want to understand their own failures and seek to justify the intense inequity in wealth distribution around them. Why are some rich and others poor? Their conclusion is simple. It's all their fault for lacking faith. Many scholars of religions argue that prosperity gospels resonates only with those in the lower class by offering them the opiate of upward mobility. Others make the reverse argument that the prosperity gospel actually rationalizes the wealth of those who have been upwardly mobile by saying that it is spiritually derived and deserved. As wealth and equity grows, so too will this movement, which will only continue to add to the problem. From now on, anyone associating Christianity with compassion and charity better think twice. Courts overrules Jehovah Witnesses' parents' fight to prevent blood transfusion for child. Religious folks baffle me. Imagine that your child is dying, and in order to save their life, a simple blood transfusion is needed. For the vast majority of us, this is simply a no-brainer. People have been receiving blood transfusions for almost 400 years, and it's a relatively benign form of aid. Sure, there are some minor risks involved, but for the most part, thousands of transfusions happen without incident. Not so in the case of Jehovah Witnesses, who have interpreted the Bible's disgust in spilt blood 
into a generalized philosophy that outright bans their members from receiving transfusions, even when it would save their lives. It's estimated that almost 600 Jehovah Witnesses lose their lives every year from their refusal. And since their adoption of this ridiculous practice, over 30,000 of them have perished needlessly. If you want to let yourself die over the ridiculous belief that your God disapproves of this life-saving procedure, and you are an adult, there's nothing stopping you from throwing your life away. However, this certainly does not mean that you have the right to decide for others whether or not they get to live. That's something that the courts in Australia also seem to agree, as a recent ruling from a judge is forcing a Jehovah Witness couple to allow their three-year-old toddler to receive blood for upcoming medical surgeries. For months, a couple has been fighting her doctors, and so the courts had to get involved to save her life. The court took into action the parents' strongly held convictions. However, based on the medical evidence and the submissions advanced by the parties, it was clearly in J.I.'s best interest and welfare to authorize the proposed treatment in advance of her upcoming surgeries. Why is someone's conviction important? Anyone can have a conviction, but it does not mean that their beliefs are righteous. You could have a strong conviction that everyone on earth is the devil and needs to be destroyed, a belief that's held by quite a few religious groups, I might add. The fact that the courts and even the doctors were trying to bend over backwards for these types of ludicrous beliefs is beyond me. Only the veneer of religion can make people this weak and pathetic in the face of such stupidity. By just concentrating on the facts, it boils down to a child's life hanging in the balance, all because her parents think that a Bronze Age god gives a crap what gets put in her body. Kazakhstan bans hijabs in schools. The topic of the hijab is a tricky issue for secular countries. On the one hand, it's an obvious form of religiously mandated modesty forced upon women. On the other, it can be, in limited cases, a free expression of one's religious devotion, though unsurprisingly this freedom is rarely granted outside of Western countries. In the Islamic Republic of Iran, young women who dare to defy the practice are routinely harassed and sometimes beaten to death, as was the case a year ago with 22-year-old Masa Amini. Since her death, more women have defied the mandate to wear it, even as thousands are arrested and sometimes killed. The ones living in exile of this theocratic country are not fans of the headscarf, as it has become a symbol of both social and political revolution. Paradoxically, in England, a recent statue was erected celebrating this vicious denial of female agency. This is the same country where honor killings have gone up by 81%. Many of these killings go unsolved, as the family is unwilling to cooperate with police investigators. How many other faiths can boast of this kind of devotion? Kazakhstan is facing the growing threat of religious upheaval. The country is 70% Islamic, although the government tries its best to stay secular. Their recent solution to the danger of sectarianism is inelegant, to say the least. They recently banned the wearing of the hijab in schools, arguing that wearing it represents a kind of religious propaganda. 
Officials stress that the ban does not apply outside of school, but already the familiar cries of oppression abound. In protest, hundreds of girls refused to show up to their school, and one official was beaten by two religious thugs when she refused to allow a student wearing one to enter. This kind of restriction only serves to feed the grievances of the religious, who always feel oppressed even when their boot is on your neck. Free societies are always in danger of losing their commitment to liberty, since this can often be used as a tool to spread religious repression. This is what the hijab represents, the cross-section of freedom and oppression. The irony, of course, is that were Islam in power, the choice to wear it would disappear for everyone. The dilemma of freedom is a one-sided affair, but it is our responsibility to preserve it. Still, we cannot win this fight by compromising the values we hold dear. Instead, if schools really believe that religious symbols represent propaganda, the only inoculant against dogma is a good education. If there's one place anyone can improve, it would be this. Madrasa Teacher Arrested for Molesting Students Over the years, we've covered a lot of child abuse by pastors and priests. It's an almost daily occurrence, so much so that the phrase youth pastor arrested for molestation has become a bit of a meme these days. Because Christianity is so dominant in our society, we forget that other religions have the same tradition of molesting their flock and protecting their abusers. Take, for instance, a recent story out of India. A 25-year-old madrasa teacher was arrested after he was accused of sodomizing almost a dozen students that we know about. They also arrested the trustee, who had not only failed to take any action to report the abuse, but had also helped the teacher to flee when the word came that the police were going to arrest him. Both tried to flee when the accusations were made, but they were eventually apprehended. The whole affair came to light after one of the students was brave enough to do something about the abuse. The offense came to light after one of the students of the residential school called his mother using the mobile phone of another Molana a few days back and complained about the teacher's sexual gestures and acts with students, the police statement said. It's a reminder that only the courage of victims will finally stop these religious organizations from providing shelter, aid, and a fertile ground for their depravity. As the stigma of abuse sheds, I have no doubt that there will be more stories of this kind. Here's hoping that the victims get some form of justice in all of this. New House Speaker is a creationist idiot. We always knew you were a little troubled, America. If you aren't being terrified on a daily basis by mass shootings, you have to worry about your republic being eroded by religious zealots intent on transforming the United States into a theocracy. They are now one step closer with the Republican Party installing a religious extremist as their House Speaker. Mike Johnson is now one of the most Googled person. Since before his important position, most of America was unaware of his existence. A brief look is not encouraging. The man is a religious wacko who has worked with conservative groups to ban abortion, which he blames for school shootings. It's not the guns, you know. He also thinks that the embarrassingly dumb Creation Museum, 
which he fought to have funded with taxpayer money, is an important educational tool. The Ark Encounter is one way to bring people to this recognition of the truth, and what we read in the Bible are historically accurate events. Johnson said in a 2021 interview with the Ark Encounter founder, Ken Ham, while guest hosting the radio show of Tony Perkins, president of the Family Research Council, an evangelical activist group. This man is now second in line to the American presidency. Is this a sign of more things to come, or will this act as a wake-up call for voters that religious nutbags are actively trying to destroy their democracy? Only time will tell. Church warns of fake priest scammers. It's not often that the Catholic Church tries to do something right. It's so common that when it does happen, the cynical part of me wonders if there might be some ulterior motive behind it. For instance, the diocese in California is trying to put a stop to fake priests who are tricking recent immigrants into paying thousands of dollars for services that would typically be either free or inexpensive. Spokesperson Eric Haith told NBC News that bogus clerics are charging these poor people thousands and thousands of dollars for things like health blessings for communions and confirmations. The church is learning a lesson in humility, as the police have stated that only the victims of the fraud can come forward. There is no legal way to distinguish between a destructive cult and an established religion, so it turns out that anyone that wears a crown of thorns can ask believers for whatever they want, and this kind of theft is totally legal. Since so many of the victims are illegal immigrants, it's almost assured that the perpetrators of these scams will continue to do so without resistance. Since they utilize the veneer of religion, they are practically untouchable. All the church can do is to try to educate its flock to prevent them from being conned. The irony here is almost palpable. Russian Muslims target Jews at Dagestan airport. As the situation worsens in Israel, the rest of the world has responded in a variety of ways. In many countries, pro-Palestinian protesters have been making their voices heard, and often these voices have been echoing some familiar sentiments that many of us thought were long gone. Russia, who claims to be fighting a special military operation in Ukraine to rid Kiev of Nazis, has been named as one of the possible instigators and planners of the attacks that happen alongside Iran, specifically in an attempt to get attention diverted away from their disastrous war. The Republic of Dagestan is largely Muslim, which naturally means that the animosity they feel towards Jews has always been high and is now at a fever pitch. A few days ago, when word reached the populace that a plane from Israel had been diverted to their local airport, the populace came out in force to greet many of the potential Israelites with a familiar phrase, Allah Akbar, or God is great. This phrase has always struck me by how it reeks of insecurity, even as it is used in violent incidents. The terrified passengers were harassed, and some appear to have been injured in the process. The mob was tearing passports from the hands of innocent travelers, telling people that they were only looking for Jews today. Around 60 people were arrested by police, but it didn't stop at the airport. 
On Saturday, a crowd in the city of Kazavyurt in Dagestan gathered outside a hotel where they believed some Israelis were staying. The protesters threw stones at the windows and a sign was put up at the door reading, Entry Strictly Forbidden to Citizens of Israel. There are roughly 300 to 400 Jewish families that live in the Russian Republic. How long before something more serious happens? Churches Concerned Over Lack of Generosity in Gen Z Churches around the world are in trouble. You see, young people are leaving Christianity in droves, and those that are staying have very shallow pocketbooks. This is the latest discovery of a recent study of Protestant pastors that found that the majority of them were very concerned that the next generation of Christians were finding themselves unwilling to be charitable. The future of the church depends in large part on generosity, and that generosity will soon hinge on a generation who presently exhibits less financial security and lower levels of Christian affiliation, church attendance, and charitable giving than their elders. There are several reasons for this lack of generosity. For starters, Gen Z is poorer than their parents. They're also more educated about church misconduct and it hasn't helped these religious organizations that so many sexual abuse scandals have surfaced. It's not exactly great marketing. Lastly, Gen Z might be politely showing up at church, but it seems the main reason is just to please their parents or grandparents. They lack their own reasons for showing up, and that's a good thing. The fact is, religiosity is dying among the younger generation. Living in the information age has made it practically impossible for churches to keep their flock. Either some scandal erupts or basic internet search will thoroughly destroy any claims made by the religious. So how are these guys going to keep paying the bills? Who cares? Christian University Fine for Deceiving Students Christian universities are a joke. The notion that an educational institution would have an official religion is against the very idea of learning. Forget being able to challenge the beliefs and ideas of others, which is the bedrock of any liberal education. Instead, if you're a sensitive Christian that despises the idea that you might share real estate with people who don't believe in exactly the same thing, then the University of Grand Canyon might be for you. All you need is to accept the idea that the amount of money you'll be spending on your education will be way different than what you originally quoted. This is because they were recently fined $37 million for deceiving students pursuing doctoral programs into paying more money than they were originally slated to give. This represents the largest penalty ever issued to an educational institution for this kind of activity. They should feel proud. The university ranks 395th out of 435 in the U.S., which means that if you were to randomly pick any school in America, the odds of getting a worse one would be quite low. Grand Canyon ranks at the bottom 25% of American universities, and from their graduation rate, it's obvious that the school is far more interested in registrations than graduations. Here are a few reviews that seem to corroborate this. I spent eight years working on a PhD only to have incompetent dissertation chairs. I was put in extension course after extension course, writing my dissertation proposal with no end in sight, paying out of pocket. They use up all your student loan money, and they don't care to see you graduate. Horrible experience. I don't even know where to start. I am in my first class and can already see I made a huge mistake. 
The interface is awful and half-assed. I was given bad financial info. It is not worth what you pay. Were you expecting a religious organization to be interested in anything other than money? Where have you been for the last millennia or two? Well, thanks for listening to another episode of The New Good Atheist. If you'd like to support the channel, please consider joining our Patreon. You can also pick up a copy of Jacob Forte's Bible Stories on Amazon now. Have a good atheist day, everybody.